Hello everybody and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford. I'm coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And as always, it is a wonderful privilege to be able to reach out to my congregation here in Dallas and those who are aligned with this congregation and uh, also those who are part of the Saints Network family across our nation and really around the world. Welcome. I am so thrilled with the ongoing opportunities that the Heavenly Father um, creatively makes available to us to reach out and spend time together in this and so many other ways. I do not take that lightly, and I recognize that it is something that is a gift from the Lord uh, on behalf of what our mission as saints is, to not only remain connected together, to eat the same spiritual meat together, and to be able to reach out to those that are more remote, especially during this past season when travel was greatly interrupted and suspended in, in many ways. We still are not able to go overseas as we have become accustomed. That is going to change very soon, but having this wonderful vehicle of communication and connectivity is a tremendous gift from God, and I am grateful, and I trust that you are as well. Before we go into our study of the scripture, which today is going to be located in the book of Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, I do want to remind all of you who are part of the Saints Network that this has been prophetically designated as a week of prayer. And we have been aligned with brothers and sisters, uh, just our prayer groups, churches, and individual saints to believe God for a breakthrough of His Spirit in our country. And many who are from other nations we encourage you to pray for and with us but also to agree for the same measure of breakthrough in your country there are so many influences that are trying to gain a foothold here or to build off the foothold that they already have influences that are negative that are demonic and we believe that in the midst of that darkness and the gross darkness that captivates so many people, the light of the Lord, as is promised in his word, is going to shine. And we do know also that God always looks for an intercessor before he does any great work. And um, everything begins with a voice. And so we are lifting our voice in prayer and in uh, fast as the Spirit directs this week. I again want to thank Monica Terrell for putting together a day-by-day -day, um, synopsis of 
an agenda of prayer as we partner with the spirits of uh, seven spirits of God, uh, which are listed in the scripture. And we particularly are asking God to move in various aspects of our national life. Today, particularly, we welcome the spirit of prophecy and we speak into the mass media. And so already today, here in the Father's Church, uh, there have been a number of our saints who've been coming and praying. Others will be coming throughout the rest of this day and into the evening. That blesses the heart of God, I know. It sure blessed my heart. Um, a number of churches are have committed to specific days of prayer and then individually to uh, continue to pray as God directs them throughout the week. But this is a week of prayer, and it culminates with our uh, first Saturday prayer, the first Saturday in July, this coming Saturday, July 3rd. And I also look forward to July 4th. Uh, it's going to be a day of celebration. Um, we'll see what what the Spirit um, wants to share based upon this week of prayer but it's it's uh, a time where we just absolutely need to keep calling upon God trusting him drawing close to him and believing for the visitation in these last days that we know is coming but you have not because you ask not we're people of prayer, and God loves his intercessors, his, his saints. So let's remain faithful to those prayer times, and may God bless the remainder of this day as uh, saints are coming here to the Father's Church and to many other locations around the country, and uh, to those of you who are praying in, other, in our, our sister nations, God bless you all. But you know, it's just, I don't mean to belittle this. It's not meant as a belittlement. But it's fun to pray together. That's not our objective. Our objective is to serve the Father and to come to know Him. And to, As David said, I was, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That gladness, it, it's, it's, it's fun. Uh, but it is a service to our Father and it's very serious business. But there's just a gladness, there's a delight that comes. Now, I don't mean to say that for those of you who are still perhaps in another country and you are prohibited in travel and you're all alone. I'm not saying that so you can go into a woe is me lamentation. You're praying together before the throne. You know, it's fun for me to know that I am praying when my brothers and sisters are praying throughout the world. So many times in the past number of years as we've traveled in ministry and uh, have been in other countries and other uh, time zones, I will recognize my congregation is praying at this time or you know I know that there's a prayer emphasis at this time and so I go by myself in whatever room that I'm staying in and I pray 
And it, it's, a, it's a delight to know that no matter where we are, when God gives us specified prayer invitation, that we're gathered together with brothers and sisters, saints, those who we love, at the same time, at the same throne of God, regardless of whether we may be all alone in, in the natural. So, may God bless this week of continued prayer, <clears throat> and we, we believe that He will use the incense of our intercession, not only to bless Him, but to uh, ignite the fires of His purpose in accordance with his timetable in this nation and the other nations where the saints have assignments as uh, those who stand in the gap. I do believe that, that we have encountered some measure of hindrance over this past year, even though we have been fully functional in our pursuits of preparation and study and teaching. In fact, I, I believe I've been busier during the time when we've not been able to get on a plane and, and go uh, into the fields of harvest. I've been busier being here. You know, I know a lot of people were locked down. For me, <clears throat> Um, I, I, I think I've been at the church every day, <laughs> regardless of lockdown and quarantine. Uh, if we don't have a, if we've not had a physical meeting in the, in the church, I'm still ministering online. And, and I'm also reaching out to, I'm not, this isn't about me. I'm saying that we've been busy. I'm also reaching out to many different nations, teaching seminars, reaching out to pastors and staffs and doing a lot of things uh, over Zoom and, and throughout other internet devices. And um, so it's not like we've been laying back not doing anything, but our tangible plans of travel and having uh, meetings in various places around the world and, and throughout this nation were suspended. They were hindered. And, you know, I remember many years ago when we had a journey planned to India. Uh, we'd been to India many times, but we were going into India. And at that point, their government had made a pledge to eliminate Christianity in India in the next five years. Those five years have come and gone, and I, as far as I know, Christianity is still going strong. But with that, then, they would deny visas to anybody who had a, uh, a ministerial attachment to their identity. So what we had with this trip was um, denials of visas, but a number of the people who were powerful saints but lay ministers who didn't have any kind of ecclesiastical attachment to their to their application they were given visas and so 
one thing after another happened and we didn't get to go. And that was that was the first time a journey had ever been canceled. <laughs> and it was alarming. Uh, and I remember we did a study in the scripture about how many times God would get people ready and then cause them to stop. Or they would be going in one direction, they had had people praying for that direction, the Spirit had spoken things about that direction, and then right before they were to go, the Spirit go, said, go in another direction. And we studied about that, and we, we noticed that God uses that at times to test our willingness to obey to I believe that's a sacrifice it's an offering to him and also to bring confusion into the camp of the enemy and there are other factors that I know are benefits from our willingness to be able to to hear God and, and obey him some would say well, you know, if you were really listening to God, you would have known that all along. Not so. That's not, that's not true. And why do I say that? For instance, like one of the journeys that I, I mentioned, Paul the Apostle was planning to go to the east. He had people praying. He'd receive money and, and um, supply from the other churches to go in this way. And then God appeared through the Macedonian man in the night and said, come over into Macedonia. Total change in direction. And that shaped the course of Western history. It is an amazing, it's an amazing thing. Uh, and I believe that God did that to really, as a testament, look, my people are willing to obey me you know, another instance was, and there are many of these, but another instance was one with the Apostle Paul. It says that the Spirit stopped them from going into specific place. Another, another tremendous instance was, and we could we could just go on and on with these because they are. They are everywhere, but uh, when you know you look at the you look at the the life of the baby Jesus, and how that the Spirit would just give them an immediate warning and cause them to make long journeys into Egypt and then to go back into Nazareth. Why didn't Why didn't God just say, "Okay, get born in Bethlehem now, get out of here"? It, the, the baby Jesus was undoubtedly over a year old. And um, God could have just done things in a different way. There are a lot of examples of this. But the main, the main thing is that uh, we believe that this particular hindrance with the pandemic caused us to have to cancel a number of major gatherings I mean major gatherings and things that had already been planned people were already in place and boom 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 we had to cancel them and 
And I, sometimes God allows that uh, to test us. But a lot of times God allows the enemy to do something. The enemy comes in one way before he flees in seven. And and I, I think that anybody would say that the enemy had a big hand in several million people around the world being killed by the COVID virus and whatever you think about it, whether it came out of the lab in Wuhan, which is likely or, or not, those all those things are tangential to what we're talking about. The point is, is that over 600,000, well, let's just take, let's dr- dr- drop it by a third because people say there was misreporting. Even 400,000 Americans dying is a, is a tragedy. And I don't believe God uh, I think God allowed that. I think this was something that the enemy did. And I'm, I believe that he thought that it would serve his agenda. He would strengthen uh, Maoist uh, this functionality. It would strengthen and test the ability of governments to control their people. It would test a lot of different things. And the enemy did that. But God is going to cause there to be very soon a an amazing visitation of his spirit it's going to be a harvest time like the world has never seen and it's going to be for a for a period of time it's not going to usher in the millennium it's not going to be a kingdom now kind of thing it's going to be for a period of time and then the window is going to close so we've got to work and we've got to work diligently and and obediently because the night will come with, and Jesus said no one can work. So I do believe though that we had some measure of hindrance. God will take care of that, but we've had some measure of hindrance. Now we're looking at the book of Nehemiah today and we have said over the past year and a half that the patterns of Nehemiah and then Zechariah are similar to the Elijah-Elisha pattern. They're similar to the Moses and Joshua pattern. They're similar to what should have been Saul and David pattern. And we see that pattern over and over, but the enemy always finds a way, has found a way to disrupt that pattern. For instance, Moses didn't go into the land with Joshua. How that would have changed history. Saul and David were not able to work together. How that would have changed things. How that might have changed Solomon. we, we, we don't know what would have happened had God's original structure been carried through. But whatever the reason, the, the, the establishing generation that makes the way, the, the Peretz, the standing in the gap, that makes the way for breakthrough and growth, that always seems to be interrupted. The enemy tries to fracture that. And so we've talked a lot about this, this principle. And I, I believe that 
there are there are many today who have been like Nehemiah who have been standing and rebuilding the wall and um, repopulating uh, a place for the Spirit of the Lord to bring a great influx back into. Um, there are many of you who are we're still doing that work. See, it's not going to be okay. Nehemiah is done. Now it's time for Zechariah. Uh, you know, Nehemiah's done uh, with with Joshua and Zerubbabel. And now it's time. For, they're all. You just sit back there and let us show you what the cool kids do. You got to have them both functioning and. We have to believe for that miracle today. We have to believe for that. Um, and it's not just nepotism. It's not just, well, my daddy was a pastor and now I'm a pastor. Uh, it's not the family business. This is, this is people who are passionate about a purpose from God, a specific purpose. Not business as usual, no matter how glorious that might be. Nehemiah had a task from God. Joshua had a task from God. Zerubbabel had a task from God. Uh, Ezra had a task from God. And so did, so did Zechariah. And so did Haggai. They, they, were, they were tasks that all fit into this divine principle, this parameter of how God does wants to do a thing. And it accomplishes a task that is singular. And so we, we right now, as forerunners, as pioneers, are really still fulfilling what Nehemiah and Ezra and um, Joshua. You know, we talked about the promotion that Zechariah saw, that Joshua was was enjoying and um, a brand plucked from the fire new clothes the enemy protesting and that is that is coming upon those that have stood in the gap and made possible the Zechariahs to come but those people with their new clothes still have a responsibility for what they have laid and to you know the hands of Zerubbabel will also finish it God said to Zechariah. And so we've we've got to we've got to see that our task is not yet done even when new ones are coming. Our task is not to control, to not tell them, well, this is the way we do it around here. It's to stay lively and new and to keep seeking God. So I, I was looking at Zech Nehemiah chapter 4 and I want us to consider uh, uh, you know let's read from verse 6 through verse 16 and then we want to talk about hindrance I think this is a very interesting this is a very interesting term or collection of terms and it's something that we've been facing during this drawdown, during this pandemic. Our, our, our entire lives have been shuffled and changed around. And if we're not careful, 
we're going to be disheveled and not not gird up our loins and get back in the in the battle uh, and I believe this is part of the hindering factor and so we've got to understand it and overcome it but let's let's read this just so some of the uh, old-timers don't say, he didn't even read the word. Well, here I am reading the word. How's that? It's so funny because some people say that, and then other people who don't know the word say that it's not scriptural. And then other people say, well, you know, um, all they do is read the word. I mean, when the enemy starts trying to protest the ongoing thing, how can all three of those things be happening at the same time? We've seen it over and over again. They don't read the scripture. They're not scriptural. All they do is talk about the scripture. It's just funny. It's just a funny. So, Nehemiah 4, verse 6. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Boy, how many sermons have you heard about that? The people had a mind to work. Brother, I tell you, that's what we need today. The people to have a mind to work. But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up, and that the breaches began to be stopped. Then they were very wroth, and conspired all of them together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Let's remember that verse, but let's keep reading. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed, there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversary, our adversary said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them. Isn't that happening? Hasn't that been happening? And slay them, and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us at least ten times, from all places whence you shall return unto us, they will be upon you. These people were warning. Look, you better see what's going on. You better see they're infiltrating. They're setting traps for you. You better be, you better be watchful. Therefore set I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places. I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it came to pass, when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and that God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall, and every one unto his work. And it came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work, the other half of them held both the spears, the shields, and the bows, and the habergeons, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. There are a lot of lessons there before we get back to
our signature verse, but um, which again is verse eight. We we see that in the midst of what God has been having His saints to to rebuild, to stand in the gap, to to make up the hedge, that there has been infiltration. There has been infiltration in the midst of the church. There's been infiltration in government. There's been infiltration in the educational systems of our schools. There been there and and this has been going on. We we've really either not paid much attention to it or have been totally ignorant to it. And now we're being we're being made aware, oh, look what this is happening. Look how this is happening. Look what's being said. Look what's being done. And I do believe that a lesson for us is we can't go back to business as usual. We, we can't go back to just thinking that such a thing couldn't happen. We've got to continue to work, but we've got to be watchful. And for us, that is as intercessors. We've got to be watchful. And we've got to be sensitive to what the Spirit is saying. If you think that the assault against our universities, the assault in our, in our education system from, from elementary school on up is just going to go away because there are some parents in, in uh, different counties that have been focused on by the media who are rightfully standing up and saying not in my school not with my kid um, if you think that that's going to make these nefarious agendas go away you you better think twice these folks have been trained they're following marxist ideologies which is basically anti-christian and anti-freedom um, and, you know, we've got to continue to pray and we've got to be watchful. I'm not saying go out and get a placard and go marching. That might need to be done. But the, these folks are in it for the long game. And they've done a pretty good job of it since the, the 60s. And um, I think it's caught a lot of us off guard. Uh, I know it's caught me off guard. But we as intercessors need to be aware that the battle is is already in play it the battle is the lord's but we have the work of the ministry so we've got to be doing our work but we also have to be watchful and we watch and pray and that is a an, an amazing lesson for us well let's talk about this uh, hindrance business uh, they, they decided in um, verse 8 to fight, which is to pit one against another. Um, that's just simple. That it can be warfare, but it's just a clashing of, um, of one group and one opinion base uh, against another. But to hinder is a very interesting etymology because... It's basically two words. And I can see how the translators had an issue with how to translate this properly. Hinders pretty good. 
But one of the words is used to describe to make something or to take on a project and carry it through to completion. It, it means to covenant, to, uh, to, to bring something into um, from a point of inception to a point of completion. A very good word. It's used a lot in the Old Testament. And it always means that somebody gains a passion for a thing and carries it through. But there is another word that is linked with this that forms this word defined as hindrance. And this word is, is a negative word. It means, let's just go through some of the ways, and I'm quoting from Theological Dictionary of the Old Testament. Um, it means to wander about, to stagger, to stray. It, it can mean um, to journey and lose your, your way to wander in error, to go after pathways that you don't really belong on, and it, it causes you to use all your energies and you're so weary that you just sit down and you feel that you, you can't go on. It means to make an error. It means to go uh, out, out of bounds or to be excessive to the degree that you can't fulfill your tasks. Uh, it, it can mean to stumble. It can mean to feel a weakness to the degree that you tremble. It, it can mean um, that you are, you, you, you're walking, you're straying as an animal that becomes lost. In secular language, it can speak about, um, it's used a lot to talk about animals and how they get into a position where they're out of place and they don't have supply and the Lord provides for them. It, it's, it's used a lot in the wilderness, in desert places, finding no way in an inhabited town. This word was used to describe Hagar when Abraham sent her out with just the scantiest of provisions, her and Ishmael, and um, they they were out there and they were just wandering. They had nothing. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's used a lot to, to speak about reeling in, in the wind, um, to, to have something buffering you and you, you stagger like drunkards. Um, in, a, in another place, it, it speaks about, um, we're like Isaiah 53. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned to our own way. That's this word. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of the lost sheep, the paths of a strange woman. I've known some strange people. I don't think I've known a strange woman like Proverbs 7.25 is describing, thank God. Um, but it's to be on the wrong track. A false prophets specifically lead people in this way. I, I think that's very interesting. It's a very interesting usage of this word. False prophets. The fool will counsel uh, and speak against God to bring confusion. 
in this way. Uh, I, I, think, I think that um, it just goes on and on. And, but one of the ones that, that really spoke to me was that it was even used to describe the winnowing of wheat. You know, sometimes when they were, would throw the wheat up into the wind to let the chaff be blown about, just that sight itself, as haphazard as it looked, um, just had the appearance that things were not going to end up well. And it reminds me, even though this is just me being reminded, it's not a direct quote, when Jesus said to Peter, I prayed for you, the enemy has desired to have you, to sift you as wheat. I, I, think, I think that that sifting is very, is very much similar to what this word um, of hindrance is. So think about this again. You have, you have one word that means to have a task something that you have taken responsibility for, something that you are, are, have been passionate about and that you are passionate about accomplishing. You know, that word was even used some in, um, in romantic ways in the Old Testament to describe uh, someone being in love and wanting to gain their lover. And, um, but... I think that that would say certainly what these people who were asked to build this wall were doing. It's a task that we've all been entrusted with. But the way the enemy has come in this really odd and unique and very colorful combinative of this word and the other word that I just was spending time talking about. Tell me, have, have we with our mission not been held back to some degree? Have we not seen wrong paths? Have we not perhaps um, in the midst of our waiting adapted other courses of action that might lead us even doing a good thing off course? Have we not heard foolish things? Have we not had false prophets saying things that are either untrue or designed to control or designed to incite? Of course we have. We've seen these in abundance throughout this past year. We still see them. Um, and, and really even lies, just outright lies. I'm, I'm amazed sometimes I hear politicians. Um, I, I was listening, this is just one instance. I was listening the other night to the news and they were interviewing a, uh, a member of Congress and this member of Congress a year ago was in the vanguard of the defund the police movement. <clears throat> well, this past week they were interviewing this individual and this c congressman 
said that it was the other party that had been wanting to defund the police and that it was never this person or his party. <clears throat> and the commentator said, but on this date you said this, on this date you said this, oh no, you were taking me out of context. You know, there's a lot of deception. And I thought, that person either is lying or they are so deceived and confused that they, they don't realize, I find this hard to believe, that they're contradicting themselves. Or, sadly, maybe they have an agenda and they're purposefully being deceptive, hoping that people that are either ardent followers of that same deceptive pursuit or people who just are, well, let's just say it, they're ignorant, will just believe what's being said now. These, these are all issues of this word hindrance. And I believe that the enemy, well and truly, is trying to cause many winds of doctrine to blow, to take us as Nehemiah's, as Elijah's, off course. Now, we saw how Elijah, as great a man of God as he was, and obviously still is, um, how do I know that? Well, why would God send him with Moses down to speak with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? You know, I don't think he's doing a whole lot of sin up in heaven between that time and now, so I'm assuming that he's still a trusted servant. But Elijah, he made bad assessments. He became confused. He became wearied. And he, he really lost his way. God says, what doest thou here, Elijah? In other words, he's saying, do you know, you really know what you're doing? You really know what your task is? <laughs> I remember one time, and I tell this story on myself, and I freely admit that I was wrong. Um, we, we were going on our first major ministry trip and, um, you know, there were well over 40 people from our church and from some other network churches, blessed people who were going, um, to minister in Uganda. But on the way we were doing act prayer activations and we did them in Greece and we did them in, um, in London, and even members of my family were in France, amazingly. And, uh, but when we got to London and everybody was arriving, <coughs> pardon me, there were, everybody was tired, and some things really weren't the way I felt they should be. And as a leader, I, I really felt a responsibility that things be as good as they possibly could be for 
those that were traveling. And there were some issues in the place that we were staying, where all of us were staying in, in London. And I felt really badly that, that my congregation was having to, just for a few days at least, live in those conditions. So I, I was walking outside in London. I was walking out in front of the hotel by myself. And I was praying, but I, I you know, I was really, I don't want to say angry, but the old term, I was put out. How's that? And I was praying and I, I felt, okay, I got to, I can't let anybody else see this. I have to deal with this. I have to process it. And um, I need to keep my, my mind on mission. I got to. I got to go and check on everybody, be, uh, be the pastor, and speak confidently. Some of these people have never traveled overseas before. They're exhausted from travel already. The, they get, if, you don't, if you've never had the big time change from travel, if you don't know how to management, you can just really become like a cranky baby. And I had already adjusted because I'd been in Europe for almost a week. So I was there, but I thought I've got to do this. So I got to process this. So I'm walking out there. There's nobody else around me, and I turn, and there's a, there's an old man standing, in front of me. Now, mind you, I had been walking up and down this street, I did just a block. I was back and forth. I'd never, I'd never seen this guy. I don't know where he came from. And he had this kind of an odd look to him. And my first reaction was, Where'd you, you know, I thought, where'd you come from? And then I thought, this guy isn't dressed very nicely. Maybe he wants money. And I thought, I don't have any British currency. I haven't taken care of that yet. I really don't want to have much because we're not going to be here that long. I thought all that stuff just like this. And the old guy looks at me and he says, do you know where you are? Do you know where you're going? And I said, yes, sir. I said, I'm fine. I'm, I'm just, I'm just out for, for just a walk to collect my thoughts. And he said, Remember where you're going. And I turned. He, he turned and was going to walk one direction. And it was my turn in my pacing to go back the other way. And I, I started to go back the other way. And then I thought, that was a nice old man. Maybe I should ask him if he, if he, if he needs something. And I turned back and the guy was gone. There was nowhere he could have gone. And I thought, wow. I mean, it just kind of shook me. It was one of those entertaining angels unaware. But his message was, do you know where you are? Do you know where you're going? Remember where you're going. And I think that that's a lesson. It sure was a lesson for me. And I, I said, Lord, thank you for that word. And 
forgive me for becoming my motive my motive was on behalf of my people um, and that God knew that nothing had happened to me nothing was done as a slight to me uh, I was just concerned about them but I really repented and it took me a little while we still had to deal with the issues at the hotel which were oh I could tell you stories about that those of you who stayed there it was called the Blair Victoria I, I called it the Linda Blair Victoria it was it was really it was a stinky place but we all were safe and we all then got on the long flight to go to Uganda for, on British Air but I think maybe the Lord would say to us do we know where we are and do we know where we're going remember where we're going what has God said what is our task this hindrance that has come uh, is has been in the divine timetable it has been worldwide it is significant and what God is wanting to do and is going to do is significant our task is a great one it's not changed we are mobilized to go and greet saints around the world and teach them and disciple them and establish intercessory outposts we have seen God do that in incredible ways in dozens of nations but we're about to see a windfall an incredible outpouring in those places and beyond we've got to work for the night is coming and we've got to we've got to whatever our hand finds to do in the Lord we have to do it with all our might but I wonder if this drawdown this purpose laden stoppage I wonder if we remember where we are who we are where we're going have other things crept in and stolen our passion have other pathways caused us to go astray from the real pathway and we're over there and we we kind of stagger can we can we abandon that pathway and get back on the right pathway um, are we still being sifted are we going to be blown about by every wind or are we going to stay on purpose stay on stay on point this was the task for um, for Nehemiah so the things that were coming against them negative words the, the verses in the beginning of verse 4 they were mocking Nehemiah they said the colorful thing if a fox got up there on that wall it would fall over um, you know they were they were really ridiculing and mocking however they were also infiltrating to create division and schism we've seen that haven't we they were they were also coming with an agenda to fight against what the mission 
is. Now, how they were going to fight, it doesn't mean they were taking up billy clubs or Saturday night specials. I mean, that this was not necessarily an armed insurrection. It was specific things aimed at keeping the people of God from doing what they were supposed to do. Now, that's been happening, and you better identify that in your own life. You don't need me to come and do an analysis and prophesy and lay hands on you. Take responsibility. Wake up. See it. But then there are these other things that are diversions. They are other pathways. They are other winds. And and to me, I think this is the most wicked of all. Because if this hindrance works then the assignment is laid down other things are accepted and we make excuses oh it'll just be for this long oh it'll just be this and you know I'm really wavering and you know we say the very words that this word means not seeing that it's not acceptable only we can correct this. No amount of cajoling or preaching at it or, or, uh, or reprimand will do this. I mean, if you're on a bad pathway, if somebody tells you, hey, you're on a bad pathway, if you're determined to be on that pathway, those words aren't going to do any good. So, I believe that the Lord truly directed us to look at this today, especially during this week of prayer. Every one of these days uh, where the people of God are being asked to pray and to, and to believe for the Spirit of the Lord to move, there, every one of these days and in, in the specific assignment for each day speaks about either some way that the enemy has infiltrated, some way that words are being launched to mock or ridicule what our task is. They are addressing things that have been wearying, things that could bring confusion, things that are false prophecies, and the media, this is a day in the media, you might as well mark that down. There, Many of them are false prophets speaking for things that are with an agenda to deceive. Now that's not conspiratorially, that's not conspiratorial ideology. That's just the truth. And... Um, so, in, in essence, a lot of what God has asked us to pray this week is about the things that we've read here in Nehemiah. Those that mock, those that ridicule, those that don't want us to accomplish the task, those who disdain what we're doing, those who speak against it, those who determine that they're going to resist it, those who, those who try to, um, to cause the... Uh, the burden and the, 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 the assignment we have to be laid down and other things accepted. 
we're praying in devotion to the task God has given us. We're asking God to sound the trumpet alarm so that the people of God could see and to, to be the people of God. But mostly, we're asking God to do His will. He's aware of all this. If, if any voice in the world knows where we are, knows where we're going, and, and remembers those things, it's God. So perhaps this is coming from, uh, it's definitely coming from a guy, I, I saw pictures of myself during a wedding ceremony this past weekend, and I thought, who's that gray-haired guy up there? Sometimes when I look in the mirror, I don't see that gray hair. But when I see a picture, I see it. I don't know why that is. Probably a, it's probably seeing through the eyes of the Lord, you know. But maybe I'm the old gray-haired guy that's saying to you, do you know where you are? Do you know where you're supposed to be going? Remember where you're going. And we need to be that people that will say, we're going to, we're going to see that as the tabernacle of David, we're going to, God's search for us to stand in the gap and to fulfill this mission. And it is a worldwide mission. And it is a mission that is imperative for the time of the end. The scriptures say that. And, and we must stay on point. And we must believe for the breakthrough that is coming very soon, it's on the doorstep. We've got to be ready and we've got to be willing to go when the Spirit says go. But if we're waffling around and staggering and blowing about with every wind, down wrong pathways, confused, listening to foolish words and false prophecies, how are we going to even be ready when God says go? You know, it's, it's almost like what Will Rogers said about America, that America always waits to be in a war before we get ready for it. And I think that we, we need to listen to the voice of the Spirit and be ready because these things are coming and it's the, the, what God's promised is going to be. But all these other factors are going on now. Are you being hindered? Now, there's a difference between facing these things that are holding us back in timing and becoming party to them, surrendering to them. Big difference there. And so we can only judge in ourselves. Are we, are we going to be ready? Time to make that decision it's probably long past, but it's not too late. The decision is ours. So I speak blessing over you. Thank you for this week of prayer. Continue to pray. We'll look forward to gathering together before the throne on this first Saturday, July 3rd. And until that time, may God bless you. And we'll look forward to the next time we can be together. Oh, one other thing. Don't forget our seminar called The Feast, Saints Network Seminar here in Dallas, September 14th through 18th. If you've not made plans, make them now. Be here. God bless you all.
goodbye.